0: If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock, to denial, to grief, to anger, to confusion, to joy, and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there.
1: Actually, I was thought, you know, I was the boy of the family mm. because nobody understood me because uh, we were all girls, you know, growing up and I was rude and crash and disgusting and, <laughs> <laughs> and I still am. I'm very immature <laughs> and my sisters don't get me. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, my, my others, they, this newfound family, they do get the humor. It's good.
0: Imagine spinning into a tube, sending off your DNA and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me, and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. Not everyone who discovers that they are an NPE is able to connect with their biological father. In this week's episode, Diana shares how she came to learn that she was an NPE and what her journey has been like so far, connecting with extended family members beyond her biological father. Thank you for sharing your story, Diana.
1: Uh, Diana, and I'm 53. And right now I live in Glendale, Arizona, but originally, I'm from Danvers, Massachusetts. That's where I was uh, born and raised. My husband and myself were uh, just casually taking the Ancestry DNA test just to find out you know where we could go visit places and travel and see, you know, um, ancestry, you know, our ancestors and stuff. And growing up, I was always told um, my paternal grandparents English, uh, French, and Polish—very French and Polish, extremely French and Polish. My maternal parents English and Irish. Oh, grandparents English and Irish. Um, so, planning a trip going over there, those are the places we wanted to go see. So we get the DNA back. And, and it looks, I am so white. I am so white bread. It's just ridiculous. So I believe all of, you know, what I've been told. And I've told my mother, she was still alive at the time about the DNA test. And her first question was, have you found any long lost relatives? Mm. I'm like, no, no, but I am having a hard time with her side of the family because everybody seemed to be named the same name but I was doing well on my my father's side. I was finding a lot of information and uh, no DNA matches but a year goes by and I get a DNA match that could be second cousin and he messages messages me um, and we talked for quite a bit. We ask each other well are, are you adopted Do you know how can we be this close and not? know any family members we both came from the same town and um he mentions a name and I'm like you know that sounds familiar I'll go through my family photos and look well it ended up being a street name that was the name not a family name Mm -hmm. that was familiar with me and um quite a few more months go by because I just kind of blow it off you know he couldn't find anything I couldn't find anything and I really wasn't interested I didn't think anything of it I did know that one of my aunts had given up a baby for adoption many, many years ago. No, it was a family secret. So I wondered if that was him, but it wasn't. So a few months go by, and he contacts me again because he's been doing his ancestry on his family for ten years now, and he's traveled to go see things, and you know, he's he's a big genealogy nerd. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I ended up getting another DNA match. And it said it could be my first cousin or aunt, but the person was 84 years old. And I'm like, it cannot be my cousin. And if it's my aunt, let's, we got to figure this out. Well, Andy, who was the one who had contacted me originally, he says, well, that's my aunt. And he mentions her brother. His name is John. And, um his wife and their last name and I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Those are family friends of ours, very very close family friends growing up." And I just kind of put two and two together and he said, I, "I I don't know if you're ready to hear this, but yeah, John is your father." Wow. And this was a family that I remember being around a lot up until I was about the age of 5 and then lost all contact with but was always talked about this family in our family. Mm. And of course, um, there's a lot of different dynamics in my family. My birth certificate father, he died when I was eight, but had left our house when I was about five years old. My mother had started up another affair with somebody down the street named George. And I believe that's how she met John, my biological father. Was through George because they were together in Boy Scouts. Okay. Wow. I don't know if you're following this. So
0: you were born mm-hmm. from this affair that your mother had. And then when you were five, the family friends were no longer close with your family. Right. And your birth certificate father was separated. And then also at that time, your mom began another affair?
1: Yes. Okay with a man down the street so my mom passes away in 2018 of course I found all of this out after she passed away but she never stopped asking me all those times have you found anybody what's new with your family tree and it never occurred to me so
0: you had no clue growing up or anything you had no suspicions
1: <laughs> um, so i've got two older sisters okay <laughs> and the joke was growing up we all had different fathers because none of us look alike mm. my two older sisters have more similarities than me i we we joked it all the time uh we never said you know who we thought our fathers might be you know um but then when it came out <laughs> yeah. it's like i never knew this would be real it was a joke it was never meant to to be serious mm-hmm. and when it ended up being serious and um and now I'm not full siblings with these sisters oh god what a heartbreak that is of course I still am to them they don't know any different mm-hmm. uh and this is another thing my mother always this was a story I heard forever so I've got this dimple in my chin and she used to tell me, as soon as you were born, Diana, I knew you were your father's because you had that dimple in your chin. Mm-hmm. My dad had a dimple, but my two other sisters don't. So I didn't, and I honestly don't know if my biological father has one, but she repeated that story forever. And I think it helped her believe too. Right. Because
0: denial is strong. She knew there was a possibility.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knew there was a possibility, and this is what proved to her that I was... And looking back, I am so grateful that this happened after she passed, that I found the truth after she passed, because I wouldn't want to have to deal with her denial and blaming and victimhood, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because she would have taken that uh, and run with it.
0: Yeah. What was your initial reaction once you kind of settled into this is real
1: took probably about 3 days for even me for me to come out of the shock and numbness i don't even think it's real still you yeah. know it's weird yeah because when i found out because when my dad passed i was 8 years old when my birth certificate dad i was 8 years old finding this out at 53 it was like losing my dad all over again
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, my God. Like, I had him, I lost him, but he was still here in my heart, and now I've lost him again. He's not my father anymore. Yeah. So that was a really hard thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, And then thinking about all the rejection I'm going to probably have to face going forward. And the good thing is I haven't had any rejection because I haven't had any response.
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to reach out to your newfound family?
1: Took me five weeks. And I went out and I bought one of those cards from the year you were born.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It goes through all of the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. 1968, I was born and I wrote a nice letter in it to John explaining, you know, he knows who I am because he and my mother had, he actually visited my mom probably four years before she died. I mean, they were still friends.
0: Okay. So he, so so you believe he knew that he's, I believe he knew. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I believe they both knew. And now, Oh, the other thing is my mom was best friends with his wife in high school and stuff. They were high school girlfriends.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: All girl, high school, Catholic high school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My mom graduated pregnant. (laughs) She's a trip. She's just such a trip. Yeah. So I wrote the letter and then I I gave all of my information as far as how he can correspond with me. My phone number, my address, my email address. Um, And I said, I welcome any correspondence. And I sent it off just after the 4th of July. And so I haven't heard yet. But since then, I found all my brothers, my half-brothers. They're all older than me, and I remember playing with them. I remember having a lot of fun. They had a pool in their yard. And I've reached out to them, and I've had no response from them either. And I did reach out to my cousins and my aunts that are, okay, John's sister, Gail. Is who I finally figured out on the DNA. She was the match that led me to John. So, Gail, I am in t- contact with. I talk with her. I email with her. I'm on a page with all the cousins now. Um, but it's a side of the family that doesn't talk with. They're completely disconnected. They haven't. They they owned a big family company, and uh, they separated because of bad family business. Mm. So neither one of them. um, One side knows about me; the other doesn't.
0: Okay. And what is your relationship like with the family that you are in contact with?
1: Um, So far, it's so good. I'm Andy, who was the original contact. Uh, We keep in touch quite a bit. He always wants to know, "Have you heard anything?" You know, he was the one that, you know, uncovered all this for me. So he he feels he has a big part. In this, and as concerned for my well being at times, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he's an only child, so family is very important to him. So he's gathered everybody in this one Facebook group who wants to be in it. Uh, it is funny, though. I've had some bad responses in that Facebook group saying, "Just because you're blood, it's not doesn't mean your family."
0: Wow, that's cruel.
1: So. Yeah, that set me back a little bit. I'm a little quiet in that room now, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Understandably. I,
1: yeah, I, I, I heard that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I felt said that. that. Yeah, that's not. Well, Andy came back to me and said, "F them." So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good that
1: he. They're the minority, but.
0: So yeah, was Gail able to give you any more information about her brother? And she's given me some
1: health information that I needed to know she hasn't spoke with her brother in over 20 years since the business failing and before that they never spoke they were always estranged because of the difference in lifestyles Uh, she's a very funny uh, woman Uh, she's well-traveled she's really experienced in everything and welcomes everything Uh, her brother's lifestyle she just couldn't deal with he was quite a partier and that's another thing. I I believe it was a swingers thing that is where I evolved from. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if my father, my my birth certificate father, was involved in it all or not. I don't know. But my older sisters remember th- certain things. Twister parties.
0: Mm, yeah, I was going to say what what made you reach that conclusion? So, memories. My older sisters. sisters.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there, my uh, one, my older sister's eight years older than me. My middle sister's five years older than me. So they have a lot more memories than I do. Okay. You know, they were um, 13 and 10 when we stopped hanging around with that family. So they remember a lot of things.
0: And do they remember what caused them to drift apart? Was that ever discussed? The only thing
1: they recall was that you are never to talk to the boys in school. That's what they remember hearing from my mother. And they're so much older than me. The boys are, so I never had a problem. Wow! They didn't have to warn me.
0: And do you have a lot of memories of your your biological father before that split? I know you were only five.
1: Very little. I just I know he was a big man. That's that's it. I just remember him being a big man.
0: Mm-hmm. So how has it been for you to not hear back from them? Like, how are you moving forward and processing this discovery without? Contact with that side of your family.
1: Well, at first, I was checking my email every day, checking my spam every day, checking every. Just you know, I had sent out Facebook messages, checking them every day, seeing if they had seen my messages, and um, that went on for about a month. And and it just kind of like you know, it fades away. I just I get tired of wanting. Mm-hmm. I don't want anymore. I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but. I don't want it. I don't need it. It was always a want. It was never really a need because I'm fine. I was always fine without it.
0: Yeah. So how did you get to that place of just saying, "I'm fine without it"? What helped you?
1: I think time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't pinpoint a certain thing. Just time, and you kind of start forgetting about it. My life starts going back to normal because I don't have either parent right now. So. I really i I've got my mother in law, and I love her to pieces. So
0: (laughs) that's good. That's good. I think it's important. You know, we find those we find those roles where maybe we don't have them. You know, and and those influences. I think my mother in law
1: was definitely one of them. Yeah, that's really good.
0: What did your family think about this? Your your husband, your sisters.
1: So my husband travels, and he was out of town at the time, and he was very worried about me. But it was a good thing because I needed to be alone. There was nothing anybody could do for me. And right now he just, he's there to listen to me. He doesn't, doesn't bring it up. If I need to talk about it, he's there, but there's nothing he can, no advice he can give to me because he doesn't know what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. My sisters, you know, it's typical. You're still my sister, you know, it's just a sperm downer. And I'm like, oh. um, those are the only ones, the only people really, because I have a very small, oh my now, my older son, I've got a 33-year-old son. <laughs> he was a little shocked. Um, nothing really phases him, but when I finally sent him pictures, because I do have pictures of my biological father, he says, oh my God, I'm glad he's got a full head of hair, because <laughs> <laughs> my birth certificate father was bald. Yeah so he was grateful for that so my younger son who was named after my birth certificate father he took it kind of hard mm-hmm. um but he he's my he's my empath he's he's so sensitive mm-hmm. and he feels things um but i think because it was the person he was named after and all of a sudden thinking oh my god my name could be something totally different and yeah, yeah he had a he did have some emotions with it mm-hmm And that's about all my family. My mother-in-law, she she questions me a lot. Um, I still have a stepfather, my mother's third husband, who is my Navy recruiter, by the way. Um, It gets deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Families are Um, so complicated. Yes. Yeah. He's still alive. And he actually has met and partied with my biological father. And so when I told him, now his name is Hugh, I said Father Hugh, I'm like Hugh, I've got something to tell you. And he's like, and I said John is my father, and he's like, there's got to be some mistake. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so of course, this is, my mom has now passed away, and now I feel so bad for throwing this at him because now he's starting to question my mom, and if she was, if she didn't cheat on him, and and I told him that's that's. You know, please don't think that um, it was. This is a different time in her life. She was faithful to you. Don't worry about it. Blah blah blah, blah. and and I felt terrible for doing that. But um, and he still asks every time. He doesn't live far from him, so oh my <laughs> he still asks. Have you heard? You know, have you heard from John yet? I'm like, no, no. Do, has he so, said anything to John? No. Um, he has asked me. Would you like me to call him and find out? because he's 83 I want to know if he's still cognitive mm-hmm. because if he's not what's the sense I don't want to do that to a family I said no nah. you know I told him no I don't want you to, I don't want you don't need to get in the middle of this this is you know my story but he did offer mm-hmm. so I thought that was kind of him to do but now that's just putting another person in this and it doesn't need to be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is is your biological father still married to his wife?
1: She passed in 2016, I believe. 2012. Okay. Or 16. I don't know. Okay. But before my mom passed, yeah.
0: Okay. So there's not that factor to consider in terms of
1: building
0: a relationship. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but what are your feelings toward your mom now? I know she's not here for you to confront her with the truth, so how do you kind of reconcile that without being able to talk to her?
1: Um, Boy, I don't think even if she was here, I'd be able to reconcile with her. That's a hard question. Yeah, I honestly don't have an answer because I was just so glad that she was gone when this all came out, so I didn't have to speak to her about it because it would have been nasty.
0: So you had a lot of anger it, toward her about it? Um, not
1: anger, a lot of whys, mm-hmm. I guess curiosity. No, I I I don't think I had any feelings. You know, my mom, she was abused by my birth certificate. I, I saw my birth certificate father beat her mm-hmm. on occasion. So I know she was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. So I know there was that possibility, but when when my first to get father died when i was 8 there could have been this chance that i could have had a man in my life you know a father figure and i don't know if it, at that time she just believed so much that john wasn't my real dad but and from there i resent her for not trying to help me more i resent her for it's always been about her mm. it, she always put herself first it was her, um, reputation was more important than anything.
0: And I think that that feeling of sort of, it's not really regret because we didn't do anything to have a regret about, but that, that feeling of I missed out on having this person in my life is something that, that we all share, you know, that why. Yeah. If you told me earlier, I could have established a relationship earlier, perhaps. And perhaps. Right.
1: Perhaps. Right. Yeah.
0: Do you experience a lot of those what ifs, you know, as you try to process
1: all of this? I, I did, but look at the life I have with my husband and my children. So I, uh, it's fate. I believe in fate. But just for, you know, for a little bit of background, my mother, so my father died when I was eight. She remarried when I was 13. He passed away when I was 14. She went on to sleep with several men that she didn't even know their last names. I would wake up in the middle of the night hearing her with them, several boyfriends. Some would just, they were horrible. Then she ended up being engaged to a paraplegic named Paul. She had her car completely done up so he could drive it. Although I was 16 and just got my driver's license, she wouldn't let me drive it. (laughs) Um, So I couldn't stand this man. That's when I, I ran away. I just, I took off from my house, was gone for a couple of weeks. I ended up at my sister's house and me and my sister went to the Navy recruiter's office to sign me up. I was 17 years old. I wasn't old enough to go in. So my mother had to come in and sign me in and she was willing. Yeah, she'll sign me away to the Navy. Well, she ended up, even though she was engaged, she ended up having an affair with my Navy recruiter and she ended up marrying him. And that's who my stepfather is now. Okay. So she <laughs> stayed
0: married to him for the remainder until of Until
1: she passed away. Okay. Yes.
0: And how how, yeah. how is your relationship with your stepfather? Did did he serve as kind of a father figure to you?
1: Yes, he did serve as a father figure. Um, although I jumped right into my husband's arms at the tender age of nineteen. Um, and we're still married. Uh Hugh, my stepfather was there for me until that and now that my mother has passed, we have even a better relationship because she's not in the way.
0: Mm. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's great that you have a yeah. that relationship. What's the most interesting thing you've learned through your connection to your extended
1: family? We all have amazing sense of humor. <laughs> that's great. We all, all of, yes, all of this newfound family people, we've got, we all have the same outlook on life. We all have the same even uh, politics. It's its really strange how we all kind of meld together. Mm. So much in common.
0: And do you feel like those are things that you are different from your sisters with? Like your sense of humor? And oh, yes. Like that? Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. It's fascinating how you find all these things that just make sense all of a sudden, like a sense of humor or hobbies, all of these things that kind of made you feel different. And then you're like, oh, that's where that came from.
1: Yes, definitely. My two sisters, my mom, they're big readers. They're very uh, business orientated. Um, And I am out in left field. I'm liberal, I'm artsy, creative. I'm way out there. Yeah.
0: What do you hope for, if you have any hopes, um, either just for yourself in terms of this journey, like where you want to end up feeling or what do you hope to happen with any of the relationships that you've kind of reached out with?
1: I would love to have an extended family. I would love to have a relationship with my brothers. Um, we all seem to have a lot in common. It was the most amazing thing to see their pictures and see, I'm going to get emotional.
0: Okay, it's
1: okay. Take the time you need. When I saw my father's picture, it was like looking in a mirror. I, mean, I just couldn't believe it. it's like, oh my god, that's me. It's like that's my family. So I I feel a connection to them that way. I do hope you know they. I've seen nephews that look just like my my boys. They could have cousins, um, because I've got a very small family. I do hope for that, but yeah. That's all.
0: I hope that for you, too. You know, sometimes I think it takes some people time to Mm -hmm. come to terms with reality. And I hope that that's the case for you and that they do realize, you know.
1: Yeah, when I sent the letter off, I I told myself he's going to need time to digest this and to accept this and to come to terms with it, just like I did. And who knows what will happen. Yeah. So I'm giving as much time as he needs. And if it's, if the time expires, then well, so it does.
0: Yeah. Are there any um, resources or things that have helped you along your path? I know time was a big factor, but is there anything else that you tapped into for support?
1: Uh, actually, just that Facebook page, the DNA surprises, just reading over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And knowing I'm not alone. I'm not the only one out there and that this is so normal
0: there are thousands and thousands of us
1: I, I reached out to a friend of mine has a son that she hasn't told uh, the entire city knows who his real father is but she hasn't told him mm. and he's in his 20s and i reached out and i said this this happened to me and i suggest that you pull him aside and you tell him the truth now before it's too late and i got called all sorts of names the devil and evil and You don't know my situation, she says. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I just, I just wanted to help her a little bit.
0: Yeah. That's, that's one of the questions that I ask everyone is what advice would you give to someone that is a parent of an NPE or somebody that's holding a DNA surprise like adoption or uh, NPE or anything like that? What's the advice that you would give them?
1: Tell them as soon as you feel they're able to handle the information. And I'm not saying wait until they're 16. Um, I think eight years old is almost too old. (laughs) But they need to know. It's, It's a right. And even if it's because the biological parent didn't want anything to do with them, they need to know. Let them know the truth. The truth is always the best.
0: What advice would you give to someone who just discovered a DNA surprise?
1: Don't let anybody tell you this is has not changed you in any way, because it will. It will change you.
0: How do you think it's changed you?
1: I'm more skeptical.
0: <laughs> Isn't that terrible? We all have our fair share of trust issues now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, um, but I'm lucky because my family is so small. I don't I don't have to use my skepticism so much. <laughs> yeah. I look at everybody differently. I listen to everybody's story differently. Here's the other thing. Um, There's this, we are stereotyped reaching out to our new families. They think we want a piece of the family pie. Yeah. If there's money involved, Mm -hmm. I can say uh, for myself, of course, that is not true. I'm, I'm so comfortable and happy in my life. I don't need, I don't need anything right now maybe acknowledgement
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I am part of the family. That's all. Yeah. I don't need monetary things. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but that is one stereotype going forward to let people know. Don't let that. I, I guess I'm, I'm talking to the people that have been contacted by new family members. Don't think they're there for your money.
0: Yeah.
1: I am not at all for out for anybody's money i don't know who has money i don't i just
0: that's a really great point because
1: just looking for connections
0: yeah and that's all i've heard you know for the podcast and that's all i've seen in the groups is people just looking for connection with with family Mm
1: -hmm. they're not looking for anything else right now i consider my journey almost over um only because i haven't heard anything
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so if something does happen I'll consider it an awesome surprise and um, hopefully it's something good that happens, of course. Well,
0: Diana, thank you so much for sharing your story. I wish you the best of luck on your journey. I hope that you hear back. And if not, I hope you're able to have peace with where everything is.
1: Thank you so much. You've helped me tremendously just by letting me speak my piece and I wish you so much luck.
0: Thanks again to Diana for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story that you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.